Hello, and welcome to the PBPA podcast. I'm your host, Sarisha Gunta. Today, our guests will be answering questions about gift acknowledgements to ensure your nonprofit is thanking donors the legal way. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to tell you, our audience, a bit about the Pro Bono Partnership of Atlanta. PBPA strengthens our community by engaging volunteer attorneys to provide nonprofits with free business legal services. For more information on who is eligible to be a client or to apply for consideration, visit our website at pbpatl.org. Our website also has tons of resources, including articles and webcasts specific to Georgia nonprofits and their business legal concerns. Please keep in mind that this podcast is general information. It's not legal counsel. Contact your attorney for guidance on your nonprofit's specific situation. And now to answer some questions about donation acknowledgements is PBPA Senior Corporate and Tax Counsel, Robin Miller. Hi, Robin. Glad to have you here. Hi, Sarisha. Thank you so much for having me on today. I appreciate it. So Robin, most listeners to this podcast probably already know that some sort of written documentation must be provided to a donor. But can you remind us, what's the purpose of an acknowledgement? Sarisha, since 1994, the Internal Revenue Code has required 501c3s to provide substantiation of certain gifts. Donations of cash or a cash equivalent gift of $250 or more must be substantiated by the 501c3. In addition, donations of $75 or more, where the donor receives something in return, must also be substantiated. So the written documentation serves as substantiation. And what specific information must an acknowledgement to donors include? Well, first, I have to give a shout out to Pro Bono Partnership of Atlanta's Acknowledgement Guide, which you can find on our website, which, as Sarisha said, is pbpatl.org. Um, that Acknowledgement Guide not only explains the, thing, the many of the rules I'm going to cover today, but it also provides sample substantiation or acknowledgement letters um, for many of the situations that we're going to cover, plus others. Um, But you want to make sure you include the name and address of the charity, the name, address of the donor, the date of the contribution, the amount of the donation, or if it's an in-kind donation, a description of the items that are being donated, and a statement regarding whether goods or services were received in return for the donation, and if so, the value of those goods or services. So, for instance, there's three common statements that could be included. One is no goods or services were received in return for this donation. The second is goods or services in the amount of X were received for this um, in return for this donation. Or three, which usually doesn't apply to our clients, but applies to um, religious organizations, is um, only intangible religious benefits were received in return for this donation. So speaking of goods or services, sometimes a nonprofit gives something to a donor, something small like a mug or something larger like a a dinner and a table at a gala. What should a nonprofit be aware of 
if it is providing goods and services as part of the donation. So that's called a quid pro quo. And I used to have to explain what that definition means. What is that? It's Latin words. What does it mean? Um, I no longer seem to have to do that. But in case you don't know, it means this for that. So if a 501c3 receives a donation but gives something back in return, it must reduce the amount of the donation by the value of the goods or services received in, a, in return. So I'll give you a few examples. You mentioned a dinner. So a gala dinner, maybe a sponsor gives $10,000 and in return they get 10 gala tickets. Um, the gala isn't some big fancy event where there's a big headliner like Sting or something like that. It's just a, a nice meal, a nice time to gather and visit and, and support the organization. Um, and so the tickets are about $100 each maybe, and um, the value of the actual meal, which is what somebody is getting in return, is $50. So let's go back to our example. So the, the donor has given $10,000 and they're getting 10 tickets, which is essentially 10 meals valued at $50 each. So they're getting $500 in return. So on your donation receipt, you would say, thank you so much, your generous donation of $10,000. And you go on to say what it'll be used for. And then you say, you received goods and services valued at $500 in return for this donation. Another example would be, and this one is gets a little trickier. So sweatshirts, somebody gives a $50 donation and they get a sweatshirt valued at $25. You have to say that $25 was goods and services received in return. The amount of that donation is actually only $25. And when you get the situation where they're giving $25 for a $25 sweatshirt, then there's really no donation, uh, which I get that question sometimes. So on the acknowledgement, you just have to identify what the value of the goods or services were received in return. And you can, you can even go so far as in the $10,000 example to say, you know, thank you for your donation of $10,000. You received goods or services of $500 in return. Your potential tax deductible amount is $9,500. Um, there's this whole other group of gifts that are given in return that fall under this idea of what's called a low cost article. And a low cost article, you may hear like NPR does this a lot. They have giving campaigns where if you give a certain amount, you get something in return, an item. And depending on this type of item it is and the value of that item, you may not have to even put it on your acknowledgement. You can just be silent about it on your acknowledgement. But it's, it's, it's pretty technical, so you do need to know what the rules are in detail. And it's basically a small token item with a low value. Um, that basically isn't considered significant enough to be a this for that. There's actually a regulation that the IRS updates every year, and it's, it, it's very, very specific. And we always put out an article in January on our website that describes what, what the regulation is for the current year for low-cost articles. So in 2020, if a donor makes a donation, and these numbers are going to seem really funky, but they're there's some kind of calculation that they do or cost of living adjustment that they do. So they're very odd numbers. So just bear with me. Um, but that's why I always say go to our website, look at the article because it gets updated every year with the specific numbers. But a donor makes a donation of $56 or more and only receives in return a token item with the donor's logo on it 
um, things, maybe like a mug or a pen, and that costs no more than $11.20. Then the item is considered a low cost article and the donor does not need to deduct that from the value of the contribution. So in that case, if I give $100 and I get a mug and the mug costs six, then the organization doesn't even, the 501c3 doesn't even need to list it on that donation receipt. Further, if a donor receives something in return for a donation, that costs, where the cost of the item is not more than 2% of the donation, or $112, whichever is less, then the donor can deduct the full value of that donation. So if I give $1,000 and I, I can't receive an item valued at more than $20 in return. So the first exception involves those sort of logo items, maybe the calendar, maybe the mug, the pen, little items. And then this other one, is just a general limit on things that I could get in return. So if I give 20, if a thousand dollars, you know, maybe I get that $20 sweatshirt and I don't have to have that deducted from my thousand um, dollar donation. So I just, I wanted to point that out. It's a pretty specific area, um, but it does come up with a lot of our clients. Okay, thanks Robin. And that was a lot of numbers. So to our listeners, you'll probably want to click on that link that um, Robin referenced our donations acknowledgement guide. And Robin, when does that acknowledgement need to be sent to the donor? That's a really good question. The best practice is to send donation receipts no later than January 31st of the year following the donation. Um, by law, substantiation or acknowledgements must be received by either the date the donor files their tax return or the date the return is due, whichever comes first. So some people file their returns early before their April 15th deadline as an individual. And so you wanna make sure that, that you've given them that substantiation receipt before they submit their return. Also something to note that if someone contributes monthly, you can bundle all those donations and give one donation receipt. You don't have to give multiple ones. And does that need to be sent in a hard copy form or is an email sufficient? An email is sufficient, um, so long as it has all the correct information. However, we do recommend, you know, it's really important for the, for the 501c3 to keep detailed records of all of their acknowledgements. Um, and they need to keep them for seven years. So um, it's important that if they are sending them as emails that they are storing a copy somewhere of all of those receipts so in case they should, in case one of their donors is audited, in case they're audited, it's really important to keep that. And so far, Robin, we've been talking about cash gifts. What if a donor asks a nonprofit to include the value of a non-cash gift? Like if they donated a desk, for a nonprofit to use in their office. How can that be referenced in the acknowledgement? So 501c3 should not list the value of any in-kind donations. That is the responsibility of the donor to determine. Um, the organization should simply state, thank you for your donation of a desk, maybe even describe that desk, and include all the other requirements we've already discussed. If it is a, something that is a high value item, there may be requirements to have an appraisal done or other <clears throat> various mechanisms for large dollar in-kind donations. 
and the IRS has forms that have to be completed for such transactions. Sometimes people want to help out a nonprofit, but in other ways aside from donating money or an item. For example, a graphic designer wants to offer their services to design a logo for a nonprofit for free. How should a nonprofit acknowledge a donation of time for service? With a nice thank you note. <laughs> um, donations of services are not deductible. So we have Last year in 2019, we had about $4.5 million worth of donated legal services to our clients at Pro Bono Partnership of Atlanta, um, none of which can be taken as a deduction by our volunteers. We so greatly appreciate their time and all the work that they do. But again, none of that is deductible. Either only cash or in-kind donations are deductible from the perspective of what we're discussing today. This information will come in very handy as the year is wrapping up, Robin, um, a year where our nonprofits are particularly thankful to donors. Thank you so much for sharing this great insight with us. You always do such a great job of breaking down these complicated IRS tax questions. And to our audience, we will include a link to the for a template for acknowledgments and our acknowledgment guide on our podcast website. Thanks for tuning in and for all the good work you continue to do.